0: Tonight I want to talk about what I've really, it's it's been on my heart very strongly, and Pastor Dwayne talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but I really wanted to hit this um, head on, and that is in John chapter 1, starting with verse 14, uh, uh, there you go, it's already up there, you guys are awesome. And the word became flesh, now the word is Jesus, okay, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, just as a side note, it's really important to understand and remember that when Jesus was born in a manger, that we celebrate at Christmas, that is not when Jesus was began. That's not when he began. That's when his earthly life began. But Jesus literally came from heaven, being with the Father, since before the foundations of the earth. And it says in Scripture that, Behold, to us a child is born. Behold, a son is given. So God gave his only begotten son through the womb of the Virgin Mary. And that's why it was important that she was truly a virgin because his, the, the Son of God was brought in through the womb of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, a son was given. It's just really important and you can't give up on that and say, oh, it's not important. The virgin birth's not important. The virgin birth is critically important because if, if Mary was not a virgin, then Jesus was born with the curse of sin functioning in his life, and he could not have paid the price for all of humanity. So it's like it's a really big deal. Okay, so theology is actually important, and uh, that is a very important point. So verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So earlier in verse 14 it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And it says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So what's truth? As we look at truth, truth is just anything, really it's anything that's true, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the truth as you look at, if you look at truth, the truth comes in and says, okay, the truth is the wages of sin is death. That's the truth, right? But if you stop there at the truth, you don't have any hope. That's just the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, grace, is eternal life through Jesus Christ His Son. Romans chapter 6, right? So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the truth. We've all sinned. See, the truth is we all have sinned. Every person on planet Earth has sinned and deserves to be separated from God forever in a place called the lake of fire or hell. That's the only thing I've ever earned. Everything else is the grace of God. See, so Jesus came full of grace and truth. So let's think about the the time when the teachers of the law brought the woman caught in the act of adultery. Y'all remember that story, right? John chapter 8. It's the first few verses of John chapter 8. And the teachers of the law bring this woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, I want to know what they were doing hanging around you know, chasing, and how'd they know she was just caught in the act of adultery? Somebody is. there's something funny business going on here, but we won't talk about that. The fact of the matter is, they had proof she was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses, the truth, said she had to die. That's what it said. The, the teachers of the law, they're standing there with stones in their hands, and they're going, she committed adultery and she has to die. That's what the truth can do and what the law can do, right? Stand there with a stone in their hand, ready to kill a woman because she committed adultery. And then Jesus, who was full of grace and truth, see the same truth that they had, he had, but he also had grace, And he started writing on the ground and we don't know what he wrote but he wrote something on the ground and then all those that were holding the stones began to drop their stones and they left beginning it says from the oldest to the youngest they all left. And then Jesus said where are your accusers woman? And she said they've all left and he said neither do I condemn you go and sin no more. See he still gave her truth go and sin no more. That's the truth, lest something worse come on you. So he still gave her the truth, but he gave her grace. He said, neither do I condemn you. See, and many times when we experience harsh things, it's because we might bump up against the truth, but then we don't have any grace that goes with it. And so many times religion and You know, in the world that I grew up in as a kid, there was a lot of truth, but not much grace. I mean, I did stupid stuff when I was a little kid. I know none of you would ever believe that I could do anything stupid, but trust me, I did a lot of dumb things when I was a kid. And I got whooped a lot when I was a kid, and it wasn't pleasant at all. Okay, my parents uh, believed that if you spared the rod, you're going to spoil the child. And trust me, I was not spoiled. And um, they did not spare the rod. And but there wasn't a there wasn't a ton of grace. My dad was had a lot of grace. My mom didn't have a lot of grace for me. She had a lot of law and a lot of truth, not a lot of grace. And. So I grew up like, kind of trying to figure out the balance between these two. And, and I went through some periods of time where I basically said, you know, nuts with everybody and did my own thing for a while. Um, but the point is, it's not about that. The point is gra- truth without grace is damaging many times. If you, if you encounter the truth without grace... It can really damage someone. For instance, if if you encounter someone and they're standing on the street corner and they're holding up a sign that says, you're going to hell. You know what? That might be true. But that's not very helpful, is it? It's not terribly helpful. Neither is it really probably very wise to do just to randomly stand there and say you're going to hell. Um, Because that's the truth, but there's no grace attached to it. There's not grace that's part of it. See, we need this balance, and every time that we come across truth, we've got to realize that grace comes right alongside truth. See, when even in Titus chapter two, when it says that the grace of God has been revealed, if you can go to Titus two, it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And what does that grace do? It teaches us, right? Or it's not going to show up. Okay. It teaches us. I thought it was going to show up teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And that's the truth. We should deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, and we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So what does grace do? The grace that brings salvation, it teaches us. It doesn't just present the truth that you violated god's law and you're going to hell it teaches us and it empowers us grace empowers us to receive the truth you see truth is a, is a double edged sharp sword truth is sharp truth can cut tr- you know sometimes you know you've heard it say the tr- truth hurts You've obviously all heard that, hey, sometimes the truth hurts. You tell somebody something that you know is true, they know it's true, but it's not very nice. And then you look at them and you go, truth hurts, doesn't it? Well, it's because the truth does hurt many times. So here's what I would say to you. This is a should be a T-shirt, and it should be this. Truth without grace is like surgery without anesthesia. See, the truth is you need that thing cut out of you. And we could just, you know, say, hey, tough it out. We're gonna cut it out. We'll just cut that thing out of there, right? Done, stitch you up. But that would be brutal, wouldn't it? But anesthesia or anesthetic makes it possible for the truth to make you free. When I was a kid, you gotta understand, I'm the youngest of nine children. We lived so far out in the country, we had to drive into town to 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 get to the sticks, okay? It was, we lived out in the country. And gravel road, and in the springtime, we'd park at the end of our gravel road because you couldn't drive through it, there was so much mud. I mean, I lived in the boonies, okay? Um, So anyway, part of our deal is we went to the county dentist. Back in the day, you know, a million years ago when I was a kid, there was such a thing called the county dentist, and the county dentist was a grumpy old man in in an office that smelled bad. That's all I remember as a kid. My parents took me there. And he didn't want to spend any money on anesthetics, so he would fill my teeth without giving me any Novocaine. Anybody else have a dentist like that? you got to be over 60 to remember that. And I remember as a kid being terrified of the dentist. Don't make me go to the dentist. He'll torture me. He'll strap me in a chair and drill my teeth and yell at me and all those things. But that was the county dentist. So i was like i mean i was an adult and i refused to go to the dentist because i had this wound in me from this terrible experiences i had as a kid i literally had to go to counseling to get over this and all you guys anybody who was there understands what i'm talking about it was brutal they're filling your teeth without giving you any novocaine or any any shots or anything so when i but the truth was i had a cavity i needed the cavity filled he was doing me a favor but it truly wasn't any fun at all. It was awful. So the truth, when you don't accompany it with grace, is really brutal. It's like going to the dentist and not getting a shot or any laughing gas or whatever it is they give you to make you feel good. It, it, without any anesthetic, it's just getting the job done, right? So... Truth without grace is like surgery or the dentist without anesthetic. But you know, grace without truth is just getting high. You're just going, oh, this is awesome, dude. Right? That's all it is. Because you aren't accomplishing anything. So you got to have truth. You, that's why when, when I hear an ultra-grace message that never confronts any behavioral thing or never confronts anything of truth, I go, they are missing the point of grace. The purpose of grace is to bring us to a place where we can receive truth. And the truth can make us free, and we can be free from sin, and we can live lives that are that are honoring to God, that we can walk uprightly. That's why God gives us grace, because we can't handle the truth without grace. But just giving grace and saying, Oh, it's okay, you can repent later. I'll never forget the day I sat with a man. He was divorcing his wife and he, he had no business divorcing his wife and he was leaving his child behind and I sat with him at Mr. Fable's at, By- at Burlingame and uh, 28th over there where there used to be a Mr. Fable's. Y'all remember that. I was sitting there with him and I said, what are you doing? You're divorcing your wife. You know you can't do this. That's wrong. Don't do it. You're gonna regret this. He literally looked at me and he said, I know it's wrong. I don't want to be married. And I'll, I'll, ask, God, forgive, I'll ask God for forgiveness later. And I looked at him, and I was a young Christian. I was probably 23 at the time. I had been saved all of six months. But I knew enough where I looked at him, I said, repentance isn't something that you turn off like a light switch. You don't get to repent whenever you want to. It says he draws you and he gives you repentance. For you to sit here and break your covenant with your wife, leave your son, and on purpose just look at me impudently and say, I'm going to ask God to forgive me later. That's foolishness premeditated repentance does not work. And if anybody in this room is thinking like that, stop it. That's foolishness. You don't get to decide, oh, I'm just going to repent later. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want and I'm just going to repent later because God's grace will cover it. You might not find repentance later. Here's the thing about sin. Sin deceives your heart. Sin is deceitful. When you allow sin and you give yourself over to sin, you know what happens? Later in life, that guy that I'm referring to, he never sought repentance. He never sought God's forgiveness. To this day, he's still alive. He's never really sought God's forgiveness. He's never, he, he doesn't attend anywhere. He, does, he doesn't walk with Jesus. He's just you know, doing his own thing. Is he saved? I don't know. I hope so. There's no fruit that I can see, but I'm not gonna condemn him. My point is this though, his life would have been a whole lot better had he listened and not broke covenant and then just honestly just said, ah, I'll just repent later. There is no repent later. You can't do that. That is foolishness. You, when, you, when you get confronted and the Holy Spirit is drawing and knocking on your heart, you need to answer you don't know if he'll, if he'll knock tomorrow. You just don't know. You, you, or he might knock tomorrow, and your, your heart will be so hard that you'll just kinda go, eh, I'll just do it the next day. And every day you walk, and the further you walk from God, the harder your heart gets. That's the truth. The further you walk away from God, the harder your heart gets. And when when you have a hard heart, the Holy Spirit goes, hey, let me in. And 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 your heart goes, "What? what was that? I don't remember. Oh, well, whatever. And you'll keep walking your way because your heart is hard. Repentance is something that God gives as a gift. It says that Esau sought forgiveness with tears and he couldn't find it. He sought repentance with tears, but he couldn't find it. See, being sorry about something is not repenting. Being sorry could be remorse, but repentance means you make a decision and you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to follow the truth and you're going to do what you know to do. And it's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness and the grace of God that leads us to repentance. It's not just our choice we don't have that much power but see when you have truth and grace then you have a dynamic duo that with truth and grace the grace of God empowers you to know the truth, and the truth can set you free. See, it's the truth that makes you free. It's the surgery that fixes and cuts out that cancer, but it's the anesthetic that makes it possible for you to bear it without literally passing out in absolute pain. See, it's the grace of God that allows you to walk away from whatever it is that's binding you or whatever it is that's blinding you. It's the grace of God that allows us to do that. God's grace for us is abundant. And it's, his mercies are new every morning. So if you've done some of these things or if you feel like you've walked away, far away from God, there is always, if, if you're hearing this and you're feeling the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, you have not gone too far. How do I know if I've gone too far? If you have that question, you have not gone too far. That's literally how it works. If you actually care, you haven't gone too far. If you say, Jesus, I repent, forgive me, and you mean it from your heart, he'll forgive you. It's not a matter of earning it, but it is a matter of listening to him and realizing that grace does not mean you can do whatever you want and flippantly say, ah, God will forgive me in the morning. That's not what grace is for. Grace is not there for you as a license to sin. You do plenty of sinning without a license. You don't need a license, right? Grace is not a license to sin, but grace is an empowerment to walk holy. It's how we receive the empowerment of God it's how we receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to really walk in, walk in truth. So today, I want us, we're going to finish up tonight with a little exercise. And um, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask Caleb to come up. And we're going to finish tonight with a little exercise, kind of like we did last week. And we're just going to talk, just talk this thing out that, I'm, that I've been referring to here. And I just want us to just huddle up with a couple people and go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, so tonight
1: I think what the question we can ask ourselves or that I'd like to ask you for us to kind of talk about here is what area in your life are you going to bring this message into? Because I I feel so strongly that the Lord has something for each of us that he's put on our heart, or even as we cover this time in prayer that he's going to reveal to you an area to bring His grace and His truth into. Maybe that's a marriage. Maybe that's a, a, how you parent your children. Maybe that's your attitude at work. Maybe that's your attitude with yourself. Where in your life has God's grace and truth not been active?
0: And where does He want you to make it active? So, and then after- It might even be an interaction where someone has done something to you. And the truth of the matter is, they were wrong and they hurt you. That might be the truth. But the grace of God says, give them grace and forgive them and give them space to, instead of being angry at them, give them space for the Holy Spirit to reveal what they've done to you so that they can repent. And then they'll come back and it can be restored that's so instead of right away defending yourself with raw, you know because the truth is they hurt me and they're wrong and they might be wrong but maybe the grace of God says I'm just going to pray for them and I'm going to give them space for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives so then they can realize what they've done and maybe they'll come back and maybe they won't but maybe they will. And even if they don't, I'm free because I have forgiven them. See, that's, that's another application of the grace of God in there where, toward relationships where we can extend grace if someone hurts us. We can actually extend grace. And I think, too, what's important
1: is when someone shares something with you that we take a moment to pray about that, to encourage them to, to go to the Lord with that person for that need for where they feel that the Lord is wanting more of his grace and more of his truth in. So let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, we cover this time in prayer, and we thank you for your spirit here. We thank you that you're present in our conversations, in here, online, Lord. The things that you've revealed to us, we thank you for. And we cherish them, and we will foster them with your help, in Jesus' name.